We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to the Money Matters podcast. I'm Laura Souter. And I'm Danny Hewson. And before we get started on this episode, we thought we'd just take a moment to talk about why we launched this podcast, Laura. Yeah, so we've known for a long time that there's a big gap between what men and women invest. Yeah, and it's just exacerbated by the fact that, of course, most women tend to live longer than men. Exactly. And it's not a lack of willingness, because if we look at savings accounts, women are as likely to have a savings account as men, but they're just investing less and and not putting as much in it. And there are a whole host of reasons for the gap, you know, from lower pay to career breaks for things like having a baby, fear and embarrassment as well. And we're going to try and talk about as many of those as we can right here on this podcast. And we don't just want you to listen. We really want you to get involved in the conversation as well, to ask questions, to really be part of it. And so each week we're also going to talk to real people, people um, like us, um, talking about their actual problems. So we thought we'd start by chatting to some women who've taken the plunge with investing. I don't think that you need to worry. I think everyone thinks that investing is a bit like Wolf of Wall Street and you're going to put loads of money into stocks and shares and there's loads of risk. And um, of course, it's important to understand that there is some risk, but you don't need to put in thousands of pounds. That was Dee, and we've been finding out what she and two other first-time investors thought about starting their finance journeys. And we've also been talking to a woman who's made her career out of the finance industry. I, I really, for me, it really matters at this stage that we women overcome any natural reticence we have and at least start taking little steps, you know, okay, don't know much about it. Let's go on a website. Let's explore, you know, different options to help me save more and make more of what I already earn. Um, so I don't perhaps have to work so long in the future or I can feel more relaxed about my financial future. That was Baroness Helena Morrissey, AJ Bell's chair and the woman spearheading our Money Matters campaign really to help more women get to grips with their money. And she talked to me about all manner of things. So what it was like to work in finance in what is a very man's world, um, how women generally don't like to be sold to, um, but also exploring some of those differences between why men and women invest in different ways, save in different ways, and, and really exploring why that gender gap exists. Yeah, it's really going to be interesting to explore some of those differences. But before we hear from Helena, we're going to hear from Dee Hill, Katrina Murphy, and Georgia Dennison, all women who, as we say, have just started out on their investing journeys. And they might just give you a little bit of confidence to start yours. Dee, I'm going to start with you and just why did you start investing in the first place? And and how nervous were you when you first took that step? Yeah, so um, the reason I started investing is because I was leaving the military and we were looking at our pensions. Um and I realized that I had very little control over my finances and what I was doing with 
my money. Um, so I started looking at sort of alternate uh, routes to pensions, um, which is when I then saw something advertised about four years ago called the LISA. Um, and I went on uh, Martin Lewis, I think money.com and I read all about it. And then for about a, a year, I just kept my ear to the ground. I just wanted to find out more about it. I wanted to make sure I was doing the right thing. I think I was nervous actually about investing. Um, I think that the words like stocks and shares kind of threw me off a little bit actually. Um, and then, yeah, so when I then put my notice in to leave the military, it got a bit more serious. And I started looking a little bit more seriously as well into um, how I could make my money work for me. Um, and that is when I decided to take the plunge and open the Life ISA, which by the time I decided to do that was a lot more established and a lot more reliable, I think, from you know, a bit more time spent on it. Yeah, Katrina, I know for you, risk was a factor when you first started investing because you had to have money that you could invest for a start, but also you were nervous about what might happen to that money you couldn't afford to lose it yeah so obviously because of not knowing anything about investing I didn't know where my money is going to be uh how can I get it back if there's an emergency for example so that way it was a risk but then obviously because I was surrounded people who were using H.A. Bell and earn in a different level of money and invest in different level of money I kind of like the stress went away when they just said like go with these safe ones and yeah after that I think my stress level went a bit lower (laughs) (laughs) and Georgia for you when you first started looking at investing you had a number of conversations and and a bit of advice yeah so I was really lucky in a previous job that they had a financial advisor as like a perk of the job and it's, it's I'd never spoken to a financial advisor before and um, kind of similar to Dee when you were saying you like you were looking into your pensions, like um, I kind of got to a place where I was happy with my pensions. I'd found out about all of that. Um, so I was speaking to the financial advisor about, you know, where can I put my money now that's a bit better than some terrible uh, interest rate. That, you know, I just ended a 5% interest rate savings account and I was looking for a few more options. So it was really him and his advice that kind of steered me towards AJ Bell and kind of onto the favourites funds to as a kind of option um yeah for for my investing and saving my money in that way instead and when you were looking at those favourite funds I know that ethics ethical investing and an opportunity to put your money into companies that were doing good particularly for the planet was a big thing yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think at, the, at first when I, you know, the first time I, I looked at the favourites funds, I was kind of just uh, dipping my toe in the water and kind of getting a sense for, for how it worked. So I invested obviously a small amount, it's still quite a small amount relatively, I'm sure. But, you know, got to grips with what all the different words meant, what ACK meant on the end of something, you know, all the kind of basics like that. And then now I've been able to kind of use that information to make uh more ethical decisions about where i put my money in and like you say uh danny like uh decide um you know for the for the best options for me and that fit my values as well and yeah Dave, 
for you in terms of when you started, it, it was quite an emotional decision to put your money into companies that were doing good things for the planet. And maybe if that conversation hadn't been being had and that information hadn't have been there, your decision might have been different. Yeah, definitely. So when I first started investing, um, it was very much, I just, a bit like Georgia said, I dipped my toe in the water. I was just happy to um, give it a go and just see if it was for me. But then towards, um, sort of as I got a bit more experience, um, it very much became a conscious decision of what company I invested in and um, any organisations that I would like to support. So um, I then started having chats with my friends um, about companies that we could potentially invest in together. Um, I started looking at um, startups. Um, I started reading the um, organization's green policies before I invested. Um, very, very serious. And, and it actually did become a very emotional decision and it still is. Um, and now I will only invest in a company that I believe will do good for the planet or will at least have a green initiative. And do you think that's different to how your male friends operate? Very much so, yeah. So I, I've got a, a small circle of friends that invest. Some are female, some are male. Most of my female friends only invest in companies that they believe in. Um, and most of my male friends, in fact, I think maybe all of them, um, invest into the company they believe will get the most money or most reward in return. Um, they very rarely look at the company as an overall whole. Katrina, I know when you started out, it, it was men who you spoke to the only people mm. that you found who were investing were men mm. and and one of the the barriers was you thinking maybe you didn't have enough money to invest yeah i think i've always got the understanding that to start investing you need quite a lot of money and therefore i always thought that all oh, if that happened that happened to me like in 10 20 years ago when i have loads of money but kind of like getting a bit older as well and understanding a bit better about like savings accounts just doesn't do anything. And I started to understand also that I want some kind of security in the future, that if I suddenly need money, that my money which is standing on my account would actually bring me more. And, and yeah. And George, now when you talk to some of your friends, you've actually got them interested and I suppose it's it's those conversations, particularly between women, and, and women do like to hear it from their friends because it makes them feel more comfortable to take what can be a quite a scary step. Yeah, I think so. And I was, um, yeah, I've had some funny conversations when I've talked about the fact that I've started to invest or look into that. I don't come from a very... Uh, investing-y background like none of my friends do and and one of my work colleagues called me a disaster capitalist because <laughs> I invested and I was like well that's a that's a very broad brush you've taken there um so there was a lot of different perceptions and assumptions of what investing was and when I started like you said I mean talked to some of my female friends about um where they were putting their money and there was this kind of real attachment to putting it in the bank and trusting it in the bank with the bank account that you've had since you were you know since your parents set you up a bank account when you were little and you had the little checking in book and and I think there's there, there's a kind of safety in that for people. 
Katrina, what do you think would have made things easier for you? What do you think would have maybe got you investing earlier? I think if it would be just clear that you don't need a a lot of money and be that it would be easier because in my head I thought there will be paperwork, difficult bank accounts, the knowledge and you just need all sorts of things. If I would have known much earlier than there's an app <laughs> that I can just do like few clicks, I would definitely start it probably even five, seven years ago. So yeah, if, if everything would have made much more clear and kind of like explain that even normal people can do that. You don't have to be uh, Elon Musk to be able to invest. <laughs> and Dee, if you were to say one thing to women listening who have never invested and maybe they're listening to this thinking, oh, okay, maybe, what would it be? What, what would you say to them? What would be your advice? Oh, that's a good question. I, I would say, um, <laughs> I would say that um, if I was speaking to, for example, as I have with my female friends, um, that why wouldn't you give it a go? I don't think that you need to worry. I think everyone thinks that investing is a bit like Wolf of Wall Street, and you're going to put loads of money into stocks and shares, and there's loads of risk. Um, of course, it's important to understand that there is some risk, but you don't need to put in thousands of pounds it can act as a really good um buffer for you and especially with the lysa it's that money that you can't take out you know so i think that's something that i always think is that when i have a, a savings account if something goes wrong i dip in and out of that savings account and um actually investing in stocks and shares just gives it gives your money more security so it goes into the account and you can't really access it or it's very difficult to um, and it's money that you know is for your future rather than for in a, in a month or two. Um, and I would say that investing anything at all is worth a go um, and see how you get on. And I would also advise them not to watch it, not to worry about it, put it in and just leave it and let it work its magic because I think that's something else that is a barrier for people. So that was Dee, Katrina and Georgia all talking about how they started out and, and how they invested. And now we're going to hear from someone who's made her career out of finance, um, but also has championed women in the industry. But more broadly as well, she's worked on projects to boost board diversity um, and to encourage diversity of all kinds, not just gender. Um, and she is an amazing figure in the industry that is still very male dominated. Um, so let's hear from her now. Um, so why did you decide to get into the finance industry? I imagine there was even more male dominated uh, when you started was, out than it is now. It was, Laura. Um, to be honest, it was a bit of an accident. I was studying philosophy at university, not an obvious path to finance <laughs> career. And um, I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, actually. And I tried doing law. I was at Cambridge and they did what's called a long vac term where you could take a subject like law for six weeks and see if it suited you. It did not suit me. And um, so that was no good. So friends of mine, mainly male friends actually said, look, you like, like numbers, you like 
talking to people, as it will be obvious through this podcast. But, you know, you, you should apply for the city because um, we think you'd be good at it. And so it was with some encouragement um, from male colleagues, really male friends, that I threw my hat in the ring, as it were, and applied to a couple of roles. And, I mean, this was the graduate training program, and they were taking on quite a few graduates in those days. And I was interviewed, I, I remember it absolutely vividly, by being interviewed by a man and a woman um, for a role at Schroeder's as part of their graduate training program. And I, of course, didn't realize that that was very unusual, that there would be a woman yeah. in the mix. And she seemed so inspiring and really enjoyed what she was doing. She was actually in venture capital. And I saw her actually a couple of years ago, which was funny, and told her she was the reason why I've ended up in the city. Um, so it was quite accidental. But actually, I discovered... Um, you know, I got given quite a few opportunities early on. And I discovered, I think in life generally, if you're enjoying what you're doing, it tends to help you be better at it than if you hate it. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the range of things. I enjoyed the fact that markets are so unpredictable. I enjoyed working with bright people. But I was quite lonely as a woman. Yeah, so how did you find those, I guess, what challenges did you find being um, among a smaller number of, of women then? And how did you kind of overcome them? Well, in the first couple of years, I must admit, I got lulled into a false sense of security because I went off to New York. Schroeder sent me as a as a sole graduate training trainee to New York where they wanted me to learn about fixed income bonds. And um, the office was very small in New York and actually quite a lot of women in it. And two of the most senior people were women and they seemed very glamorous and very sort of, you know, in control of their own destiny. Then I came back to London two years later and I found myself the only woman in a team of 16 and it was a big difference. Um, and that was uh, a time as well when I just got married, soon after I had a, my first child. And when I came back from my maternity leave, which I took about five months for my first child, I was passed over for promotion. And when I asked my male boss, you know, what areas of my performance did I need to improve? He said, oh no, there's no doubt over your performance, but there is some doubt over your commitment with the baby. Oh, wow. Now, this was a long time ago. I hasten to add, and the place is very different now. And um, that was, I don't think, particularly unusual at the time. Um, but I wasn't expecting that. That was completely a shock to me. And, of course, initially I was sort of wanted to quit, frankly. Um, mm. But I needed to work. Um, it was a time when interest rates were rising. I mean, now we're talking about rising interest rates. But then we were, they were like at 15%. You know, it was a very big burden if you had a mortgage. And I needed to work, and in lots of ways, even though it was a very painful experience at the time, sort of realizing that my gender could hold me back, I, I'm grateful for it because it, it made me sort of really redouble my efforts and try to, I suppose, take control over my own career and strategize a bit better. I'd been working probably the longest hours and felt I was doing really well at my job, but that wasn't good enough, and I had to think differently. And so obviously that story is quite shocking and maybe is a bit of its time, but I think we still hear some things like that now. So do you think, particularly the finance industry, do you think it has changed that much since then and, and what more is there to do, I guess? So there would definitely be nothing as overt as that. Now, mm. obviously it's now illegal and, you know, yeah. um, to discriminate someone for having a child and so forth. But there is, even though people won't say it, I think there's sometimes, as you're intimating, they will <laughs> think it. And I think the finance industry has changed a lot in the last five years. I mean, I think after the financial crisis, there was one wave of change and sort of reflection and soul searching a little bit. But it quickly, as things went back to normal, you know, markets rose again and everything seemed to come back from the brink of disaster. Then it kind of went back to normal. But in the last five years, I think there's been a realization that if we want to thrive 
in the future if we want to continue to attract really bright people, men, women, lots of diversity and in lots of different dimensions, then we need to think again about our culture and really consciously reach out to attract more women, um, more people from different socioeconomic backgrounds, more ethnic minority people, reflect society better and the customers that we serve. So it's a work in progress. I chair something called the Diversity Project, which is trying to improve diversity in all dimensions in the investment and savings industry. And I, I go from one minute of feeling like there's so much commitment, change is about to happen, and then the next minute there's another bit of data that shows that the numbers of female fund managers have fallen, you know, in the last few years. So it's, it's uh, not going in a straight line, but the commitment is there, I believe. And so this, obviously, this male-dominated industry has a direct impact on the number of um, women outside of the industry, kind of normal investors, that feel like investing is for them. Um, so I guess it would be interesting, how did you start out in your investing journey? What what prompted you to start investing? Was it because you already worked in finance or did it predate that? Well, it wasn't really. Actually, it was afterwards. And I think like a lot of other women, there's studies on this um, that back this up. It's not just my sort of perception of it that actually we tend to invest for slightly different reasons than men on average. And it tends to be less about making money for its own sake and more about achieving uh, a goal in our lives. So it might be, um, yes, buying a house or a flat. It might be, you know, paying for childcare or having some financial security, looking forward a few years and so forth. So there tends to be a very specific motivation. And for me, the, I mean, to be honest, even though I worked in financial markets, the first investments were in property because I needed to you know, buy a flat to start with. And it was very, very practical. Um, but of course, it's a very financial transaction, um, buying property and, you know, not just what mortgage you take out, but also, you know, what happens to property prices and everyone had their bit of advice. And um, so that was the start. And then, of course, you once you've secured that, perhaps, then you think, well, and I did start thinking, well, what are these ISAs and, you know, individual savings accounts that might give you some tax benefits and so forth? Um, and gradually got into um, more personal investing. Um, but in all honesty, Laura, at the start of my career and for many years, um, really, at the beginning, I had very little money left over because I had my children or started to have my children quite young, mm. always a bit sort of one step behind in terms of my earnings up until really my 30s. And then I realized, you know, my mid-30s, actually, my pension was growing quite nicely and I needed to sort of start thinking about providing longer term for my family and, you know, how long I was going to work and so forth. So that was when I really started to get more involved in in investing in, in stock markets and, and thinking about my money growing um, as well as being, being tax efficient about it. And so obviously the data shows and our own research shows that women invest, are less likely to invest than men, but also where they do save, whether that's in cash or investments, um, they're saving less each month. So um, we've spoken a bit about it being a male-dominated industry and uh, maybe that not appealing so much to women. But what are the other reasons that you think women aren't investing? I feel like we could probably talk about this for yes, hours. But <laughs> so I don't think there's a single answer, but I do think that one of the main, one of the main reasons is we, is we have a very ambivalent relationship with money. We, we're embarrassed to talk about it. We don't really, I mean, we'll talk about politics or work, fashion, families, you know, lots of things in our lives, parties. I mean, lots of things are more exciting, it seems, than money. We like to have money, partly for security, but also, you know, it's nice to be able to spend money on things. Um, 
But getting there is, I think, one of those slightly embarrassing subjects for lots of women. And I think we need to socialise it more. I think we need to start realising that if we don't talk about something, we don't tend to do something about it. You know, we tend to sort of push it out of our minds. Mm. And a lot of women, I'm afraid, do delegate their financial matters to their male partner. Mm. Um, but that, that leaves us exposed, you know, if, if we get, you know, if we split up or you know, something else happens and we suddenly realise we don't know, you know, where our pension, you know, where is it invested or how much money there is in our property or anything like that. So I, I really, for me, it really matters at this stage that we women overcome any natural reticence we have and at least start taking little steps, you know, okay, I don't know much about it. Let's go on a website. Let's explore, you know, different options to help me save more and make more of what I already earn. Um, so I don't perhaps have to work so long in the future or I can feel more relaxed about my financial future. Yeah, because the end goal of that is great. Everyone would want to cut a few years off their working life or have a bit more money. Yeah. But you're right, we just don't talk about how to get there necessarily or get started on that. Um, but obviously we work for a, both work for a big yeah. financial <laughs> services company. So um, what more can big firms like AJ Bell and, and others do to encourage more women to invest? So, I mean, clearly the, the mission of AJ Bell is to help people invest. And I think the big word is help because often it seems as if we're being sold to. You know, I think, again, women, again, hard to generalise about everybody. Mm. But I know I certainly don't like it if someone is overtly selling to me. I don't like being patronised to. I don't like sort of people, you know, assuming that uh, I won't ask or putting me in a position where I don't feel I can ask the question that's on my mind. I think women are very smart and don't want to invest if they don't understand what's uh, being proposed. Mm. So I think talking in a very sort of jargon-free way, just having lots of resources. So again, so many women have asked me over so many years, where can I find out about you know, how to get started investing. Um, so having just a very clear, it's not salesy, it's not trying to persuade people to do something specifically, but actually just explore ways to get started investing and realize that you don't have to be wealthy. In fact, you know, anyone can invest. You can, you know, start with a few pounds. Um, and just nowadays, you know, there's, there are different mechanisms. You don't have to sort of have tens of thousands of pounds, for example. Mm. So just providing those resources, being here to help. And you talked about kind of making money more a part of the conversation and, and it being discussed alongside other things. Um, how do we, not just as a company, but as a society, how do we we do that? Because that feels like quite a big leap. People are yeah. much more likely to, I think there's some great stats about people are more likely to talk about their sex life than they are about how much they earn or money. Exactly, um, yeah. Which is kind of baffling. It is a bit strange, isn't it? <laughs> So I think we just have to keep having these conversations like the one you're having with, with me. I think we need to showcase, you know, women of all sort of financial capabilities, as it were. I think it's great to talk in schools and universities to try. I mean, I've got lots of children and trying to, I, I'm very conscious that they have different aptitudes and interest levels in money. But obviously teaching the basics, um, helping women to feel that they can empower their, their own daughters and sons you know, with, with having the financial literacy. So I just think, you know, we'll just have to keep talking and hopefully not make it seem boring, <laughs> um, you know, and, and perhaps show as well what it can do for your lives, you know, illustrate more. As we, I think we've embraced this with health. Mm. You know, I think I was looking, um, I wrote a chapter on women, money and power and how it's so important to gender equality. 
that we have more power of, around money um, in my first book. And in that, I came across an example where people, apparently police used to stop people jogging in the street in the 1950s because it was such a weird thing to do. <laughs> and now, of course, everybody or lots of people, we're all conscious at least of the need to take exercise even if we don't get around to it. Mm. And I think money, you know, just having it as a sort of financial well-being, like you look after your diet or your career or your children or just doing a little bit and getting to that point once you've got your interest peaked hopefully um so yeah first thing to have normal conversations real people different levels of expertise offer the the tools so people can navigate and decide what works for them and then just get into this regular habit and so are your children interested in investing? Have you got them to start so, investing? As I said, I have the, huge, the whole range. I have, you know, one who wants to sort of, you know, get into cryptocurrency and <laughs> is really, you know, diligently looking at different specific companies and argue, arguing that he should have an investment account and he's too young, I think. Although I, I don't want to discourage him, so I mm. think it's good. So I've said, have a paper one. You know, that's going to come back to haunt me if he makes <laughs> lots of money on paper, but not in real life. Right the way through to those that obviously think money grows on trees. You know, so... <laughs> Um, you have to kind of meet people where they are in mm. life. I always think if you're going to try to encourage them, and this is obviously because it's good, you know, for my children to learn how to, you know, not have debts, you know, or at least manage their budget, you know, learn how to manage their money. So we try to make it a conversation from time to time, but I can't impose, you know, I can't say let's talk about, you know, the stock market and what it did today. It has to be natural. So my youngest, for example, is... You know, she gets an allowance and has one of these, you know, Go Henry cards that oh, yeah. means that you can be, you know, she can, she's 12, she can pay, you know, for her own you know, drinks when she's out shopping with a friend or coming home from school, little treats. But she can only buy one a week because that's her allowance, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it gets her negotiating with me and talking about, <laughs> and then she wants to buy something, we talk about, well, she could save up what's left out of her allowance once she's had one of her treats each week and so that way even if it's not a hard you know sell it's not a really in-depth conversation about financial products it is getting her into the mindset of saving and thinking about what she wants to buy that might take a little bit of patience and so for women thinking about kind of starting out and making that first step into investing what would be your best advice that you've learned either from your career or more just from your personal investing journey so well first of all Everybody, I think, has their own you know, knowledge about what works best for them in terms of how they learn. So some people love listening to podcasts. Other people love reading books. You know, whatever it is that works for you in terms of learning something. Mm -hmm. then just set aside some time, I'd say at least each month. I mean, if you get to have at the start, maybe each week, you know, Sunday afternoon, I'm going to spend an hour just on money matters. I'm going to just look up things that, you know, would help me to feel comfortable about money and Perhaps I've got no knowledge about where my pension is at the moment. Let's mm. just set aside, some, start with some goals, set some time, not in a huge amount. Don't say I'm going to spend a week doing this, you know, because yeah. it will kill you. But, you know, just do something that makes it gradual. Take those steps. It's not a leap. And as you get comfortable, look at resources like I'm going to obviously advertise here, AJ Bell, <laughs> once we've got that all in the website. You know, ask your friends. Talk to your friends about talk to people who might be a little bit more senior about than you about, you know, what do they do in terms of their saving and investments and just get familiar with the concepts, get comfortable with it before you do anything actually that involves sort of parting with your savings. Um, and just think about what you could perhaps, you know, what, just try and understand, you know, how much more you could have in the long term if you start, you know, investing and saving now. 
Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Lauren. Thanks for having me on. Baroness Helena Morrissey, as we say, AJ Bell's chair. And she's had such an incredible career, Laura, and it was really brilliant to hear how optimistic she is about the changes that have happened in the finance industry and about those differences in the way that men and women really think about money, react to money and think about investing. Um, And it does matter. It really does matter whether or not we see women in the finance industry. Because, of course, if you're thinking about finance, you're looking at the people who are working within that industry. And when you're having conversations among your friends, maybe among your kids, to be able to see women working in that sector is massively important. And it's important because they also then understand how women and girls interact with the finance industry. Yeah, and we really hope that whether it's the discussions with the first-time investors taking their first steps or with someone who has obviously been in the finance industry um, and and speaking about her own personal investing journey, we really hope that those have prompted you to either start conversations with friends or family or sparked ideas within you. Um, And if there's any thoughts that you had or any comments, things you want to cover in the future, um, anything, then do please um, get in touch. Uh, You can can email us, you can comment um, where you see this podcast, or we're also on social media as well. And we really want to open the conversation about money. So please don't be afraid to ask questions, however silly you think they might be. Yeah, there are no silly questions here and we will do our best to try and find you answers, probably not from us, but certainly from some other women and men as well who work in the sector, who has experiences of the sector, or maybe just like the three first time investors we spoke to earlier are just normal people talking about money because talking about money is one of the first steps. So if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe. We're going to try and get one to you every two weeks. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks a lot. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.